0: We'll be to another episode and uh, today I feel like we're kind of getting back to our roots we were kind of talking that maybe we got a little sidetracked we focused a little bit on some companion episodes then we did some topics that weren't so much murder uh, but other crimes but uh, today we're getting back to really where we started from and talking about a extremely prolific serial killer. And, um, well, Sonia, who are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about William Bonin, who was known as the California Freeway Killer, or the Freeway Killer, and he was not the only one
0: who had that moniker. Hmm, two I other people know. did. I know. Unrelated. I know. Unrelated. It's, I know. It's very... Uh, the Freeway Killer is... I mean, I suppose it's kind of a uh, uh, generic moniker because it could be used for a lot of different people. But yeah, he uh, I think he might be maybe the most prolific among the freeway killers, but not the only one. You know, I... Um... I had never
1: actually heard of this guy until you suggested you our episode.
0: I know, which was
1: fun for me because I get excited when I when I don't know stuff. So I was like, "Oh, my mind is open," and um, you know, I couldn't find a lot of a lot of information out there. I mean, I, I found a lot of written material, but I tried right. to find documentaries, and um, I couldn't. You know, it was all over the place. I attempted to watch um, a lovely biopic called The Freeway Killer um, that was released by Image and um, I, I wasn't it, it didn't, it,
0: yeah, anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> I watched the trailer for it and that was enough
1: yeah, it, yep yeah. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to leave that one right over there. It was fine. You know, it wasn't my cup of tea. I don't – I um, had an issue with the production value, so blah, 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 but yes. that's just me. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I agree with that, though. I, I got that from the trailer.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I never look – when I look at fiction – well, it's not fiction. It's based on, you know, nonfiction, but – someone's portrayal when they just didn't have a lot of information to go on. I didn't want to taint my mind with what they thought these characters would would be like. Um, Mm -hmm. But there is a lot Mm -hmm. of information out there because, as we know, William Bonin had um, multiple accomplices in the majority of his killings. And I was just, um, that's probably the standout thing for me, you know, in this subject. As we'll go through, we'll talk about those individuals. Um, But just his ability to talk or to rope people in to murdering many people with him is kind yeah. of shocking to me. I didn't know there were that many people out there. And if he, if he got four guys to to do it, how many guys did he ask to do it before and that said no? Like, I mean, it's kind of amazing. How do you talk someone murder murdering with you? I mean, I, I know it's it's a little nuts. So let's go back to the beginning. We will say William George Bonin, who was born in 1947, and uh, he was born in Connecticut. And he was known as the freeway killer, as we said. He's a twice-paroled sex offender who committed rape, torture, and murder of a minimum of 21 boys and young men in a series of killings between 1979 and 1980 and mm-hmm. um, in Southern California. That is a very small
0: window. It was extremely tight. I couldn't believe how accomplished he was in such a small amount of time.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's another one who obviously, he was seeking out vulnerable people and individuals, you know, he picked up a lot of drifters, he picked up a lot of prostitutes, he was um, a homosexual, he says, and so he sort of tended towards that, that genre, and You know, again, would find young people who look like they were vulnerable or, um, you know, might be easily compromised. And that's exactly what he did. Sometimes he would recruit them to help and sometimes he would just murder them with his accomplices. Um, But I want to go through each of these because the when I started to think about this and you and I talked, I said, you know, let's go through the victims and let's go. But I don't want this to become a laundry list because it loses its significance when you miss out on the Components of each of these murders, because one of these murders was, you know, significant. So this laundry list, you know, I don't, I just don't want us to be dismissive about the crimes. There are, are, I will say too you know to the families who um of the victims and there are also there were i think there were 15 other murders that they thought that he was responsible for that he would never confess to and these people don't know what happened to their loved ones it's so sad you know there were mothers who would go to him and you know of course he was very um you know manipulative but they wanted to know if he you know what happened and he just strung them along he was a a, a terrible person in my opinion and um, that probably started at the beginning with him, you know, Brittany as, um, you know, w- w- in, in early in life
0: William was born, as uh, Sonia mentioned in 1947 in Willimantic, Connecticut and I'm going to say right off the bat as soon as I started researching this guy I saw so many parallels to the guy who always seems to come up when we have these conversations Ed Kemper Uh, I actually was surprised at the number of parallels that I felt like I was able to draw. Uh, Beginning with his upbringing with his parents, who were alcoholics uh, and were very uh, dismissive and um, not attentive to William and his siblings. His early life with his parents, they were both
1: alcoholics. His mother, um, his dad was a compulsive gambler and his dad physically abused him and his mom had mental problems as well. So his, they they neglected those kids. They didn't feed them. Others in the neighborhood would feed these kids. They, They weren't kept clean. I mean, they were living in terrible conditions. It wasn't that they just, you know, dismissed them emotionally, but physically as well. It was a very bad situation. So, you know. From the very beginning, Bonin, you know, had, had, had it rough. And not only was he sexually abused, he was physically abused as well, which may have contributed right. to some of his behaviors in, in his adult life.
0: And his dad was such a significant gambler, he actually gambled away the family home. <laughs> which...
1: Unbelievable. I don't know how you do that in a card game. I guess you've seen like I people agree. throw their keys in like the pot, but what do you throw your bread? Literally butt. what I thought too. What? Like, I don't know. That's yeah, exactly. Crazy.
0: That's exactly how I was how I was picturing that
1: boy, that I love to gamble, but not that much. That's nuts.
0: His mother, in an attempt to get the kids away from their abusive father, sent them initially to live with her parents, their grandparents. And it was his mother, William's mother's father, his grandfather, was a known pedophile and child sex offender. So William was introduced to violence extremely early in life. As early, uh, I think it's noted as early as six years old, probably sooner than that, uh, that he got a uh, violent awakening and was exposed to what would drive him to become the violent person later on in his life.
1: Early on in life, you know, Bonin gets, goes into an orphanage, orphanage um, to save him, per se, um, you know, get him out of his situation. He was abused there he was abused by many of the boys there Mm -hmm. apparently he would only agree to the abuse um, if they tied themselves up so that he felt that he was not at risk and I think this behavior carried on later in life as well he would do this to others Um, but it sounds to me like those are probably some of the things that Bondan was open about his early life when they interviewed him. In his later life, this is an area that he wouldn't talk about. It sounded like it was so horrific and the terrible things that they did to him, and um, you know, really just all the sexual advances of the older um o- older boys at the school. You know, I mean, it was again, you know, it was like crime school.
0: It, it was his. It was his first. His first introduction into sex was when he was eight years old, which is uns unbelievable to even think about an eight-year-old. Well, he had, and
1: who was that huh? with? His grandfather or with the boys at the no, orphanage? No, no,
0: no, at the, at the orphanage, with oh. the older boys at the orphanage.
1: I bet he was sexually abused before that with by his grandfather. Oh,
0: uh, I wouldn't be surprised since he was a, a convicted child molester. But Bonin has said that his first experience was at eight years old. Uh, some of the things that he, some of the other things that he experienced while he was there uh, were, you know, severe beatings. Uh, held into uh, various stress positions for uh, several hours on end, uh, simulated drownings or partial drowning, where <laughs> his head was held underwater for several minutes. He he actually was only there, I think, until, like, I think only for a year, because I think from the age of eight and eight to nine, because then he uh, he returned to live with his parents in Mansfield, Connecticut. So.
1: Bonin goes home he goes back to the neglectful situation at least he's not being abused like he was in, right. at the orphanage um he you know he starts his life in crime pretty early he's arrested for stealing license plates and um then he goes back to juvenile detention where again he is repeatedly physically and um, sexually abused by several people including an adult <laughs>
0: counselor, an adult counselor who was supposed to be there to help him and help him get out of that situation.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just terrible. It's, um, you know, this is how, this
0: is how criminals are made. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You can say that for sure. He was there for four years in juvenile detention. And I don't know if this was because of the gambling or if this was a different situation. But Bonin's family was facing foreclosure on their home, so they uprooted from Connecticut and moved to Downey, California.
1: Beautiful Downey.
0: I think that's where the first <laughs> McDonald's was.
1: Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that so. could be right. Yeah, or maybe Norwalk. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but somewhere in Southern California. All right, so we now go to Bonin, who is a little bit older, still committing criminal acts—robbery, petty theft, grand theft—in his teenage years. He's a bad boy.
0: Um, he right after graduating from high school, which he did in '65. Before before we talk about him graduating high school, the uh, in addition to the robbery and petty theft, his first experience in. Uh, Sexual assault or sexual violence is he preyed on his younger brothers and sexually molested them. Yes. Uh, once they got into California before, uh, after he was out of detention and uh, w- would probably be in his high school years. Yep. He
1: molested not only his younger brothers, but several neighborhood kids.
0: I was going to say, I think some neighbor kids also. Yep.
1: Yeah, he was. He started again training early. You know how to suck people in, how to entice <gasps> them by giving them something or another in exchange for something or other. I mean, he was right. really prolific at that. He, it's amazing. Yes. You know, he got he got his shtick down. All right, so back to him graduating from high school. Then he gets engaged to be, be married to a woman, which. It's perplexing. Um, I guess around that time, it really wasn't acceptable to be gay. Um, Right. And then he actually got married, and he um, got divorced, believe it or not. Um, So he actually followed through with that relationship. I mean, I'm surprised he married her.
0: I am too, but I actually read that he married her because his mom could tell that he had homosexual tendencies and drove him into this marriage to try and cure him.
1: Oh, absolutely. But he knew he was homosexual.
0: Well, he did, but, you know, he, at this point, is still a relatively young guy. He, you know, 17, 18 years old. He was, he probably knew at that time, we're talking early to mid-1960s, it wasn't acceptable at that time, and maybe he even thought that maybe this will help, quote-unquote, cure him of his homosexuality and make him straight. Obviously, it didn't last yeah, no, and didn't for work.
1: Sure. He joined the U.S. Air Force, and of course, he was an active-duty uh, military personnel in the Vietnam War. He was a gunner, and um, he was—he, I guess, it sounds like he was in combat
0: and patrol for quite a while. Yeah, he, I think, was involved in the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War in the mid '60s, uh, and uh, he was involved in over 700 hours of combat, uh, direct. Fighting uh, over the course of a five-month period, um, I think he was he was actually enlisted for longer than that. But at one point, he actually uh, he risked his own life and dove in front of uh, another wounded combatant to save that other combatant's life, and he was honored a uh, medal in gallantry. For, for this act of bravery. Uh, but this is also at the same time where he would reflect and say that it was here that he realized in his own mind that human life was overvalued. So you, you really see a dichotomy here of him trying to protect out of a sense of need and heroism and, and brotherhood, but then also saying, realizing that human life is, is not Worth what a lot of people consider, and it was worth a lot less to him than most others.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he it, while he was in in um, the military, he actually sexually assaulted a couple of fellow officers at gunpoint. Yes,
0: so correct.
1: It, you know, that's what's weird about Bonham Not Bonden to me is that he holds the people that he loves or likes to dear to him. And he protects them as, you know, like you said, Brittany, he was, you know, obviously he had done something right there and his accomplices the same, you know, he, you know, when he knew you and when he knew you as a person, he, he somehow changed the way that he perceived, but his, his disconnection to human life of others that he didn't feel a personal connection with is just amazing. I mean, obviously, or else he wouldn't have been able to perform the acts that he did. I mean, which were endless. I couldn't believe when I was reading all these different things that he did to these poor boys, as we'll get into I know. now.
0: I uh, Yeah, I couldn't, I actually, I was, I was surprised how little I actually knew of this person. I had heard of the freeway killer, but the level of violence uh, and grotesque acts that he partook in, I, I, I was shocked how little I had previously been familiar with.
1: I didn't know a lot of this. It's amazing. Um, you it know, and,
0: and and here's
1: the thing, as we'll talk, you know the police knew about this behavior pretty early on he yeah. was arrested for attempting to get a 16 year old into his van and um of course i think he was found guilty of that and he pleaded to molestation and forced oral copulation and he went to atescadero state hospital um as a mentally disordered sexual offender and he went in there for treatment at some point i think they figured out that he was beyond treatment Um, and then they moved him on. Yeah,
0: so he went through a battery of psychiatric exams uh, and parallel again found to have an IQ of 121. Uh, Average IQ is 100. So this is a very intelligent guy, but was also diagnosed with uh, manic depression, and he had damage to his prefrontal cortex in his brain, which is the section of the brain that evaluates the ability to reduce your violent impulses. So essentially, the the, the part of the brain that would keep him from lashing out was damaged. So to a certain extent, he actually had a medical diagnosis that limited his ability to rationalize. And Forced him to carry out his violent urges.
1: Yeah, well, not only rationalize but control, and but yes, this is common, honestly, for people who have been physically abused, and this is also common for serial killers. I mean, we'll see in, in a lot of the, the brain scans that were done, that that this is fairly frequent. Kuklinski, in particular, had this issue. He had some severe prefrontal cortex damage, and um, he said he, you know, that was he, he could feel nothing. You know, I mean, it's just that that lack of feeling. There's no connection there to what they're doing. It's crazy. It
0: is. It's nuts. So uh, he was he spent two years in a Tuscadero, but then was transferred to state prison because essentially uh, the the. Psychiatrist at the Atascadero Hospital declared that he was unsuitable for future treatment. Nothing else was going to help him. And uh, he, after two years, he was moved to prison. And then in 1974, he was released from prison because he was declared to no longer be a threat to society. Ugh. Great. And uh, did they and not that's have just sex offender list at that time? You know, that's a good question. I was thinking about that, too. I mean because now they, I that's mean,
1: pretty rigorous, right? You can't get away from that. Like wh- why no. how did he get out and how did he run around and continue to p- do these do these kinds of things and nobody seemed to um you know take notice. It was really strange.
0: Right. I agree.
1: So in, as you said, Brittany, in 74, he gets out and he immediately goes and picks up a 14-year-old, David Allen McVicker, hitchhiking in Garden Grove. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this case that I thought um, when I was looking at it was that, you know, we're familiar with all these locations. I mean, we, yeah. if you live in LA or Orange County, you know most of these locations and I've lived near a lot of them. So I, I was like, wow, that's right there. He picked McVicker up. It sounds like he held him at gunpoint and he forced um, him to have sex with him. And somehow or another, he
0: let this guy go. So he was actually, he was strangling McVicker because there are are a decent number of interviews out there with McVicker recalling this incident. And he was strangling McVicker from behind as I believe he was sodomizing him. McVicker was crying out and he said something about, something along the lines of, God help me, God save me, and this caused Bonin to release the strangulation and essentially let him go. Not there only did he let about... him,
1: not only did he let him go, he drove him home. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Yeah, he drove him home. So, he said, "We'll meet again." Uh, yes, which is so eerie and creepy. You have this man in the throes of murder, essentially, and you know one line about God save me, and suddenly. He reverted and stopped what he was doing and turned into this, you know, sympathetic, seemingly caring. I wouldn't go all the way to say that he truly was caring, but seemingly caring person. Uh, And like you said, he took him home. And uh, whether, I don't know if we'll meet again was meant to wish him well, per se, or to be a threat. I, I was never really clear on that.
1: Well, if it was a threat, it didn't work because McVicker went home, told his mom, and the police went and picked up Bonin, and he was charged exactly. with rape and forcible oral copulation of a minor.
0: And, right. Um,
1: so this would be what number two that this happened. This is no-
0: Well, this is number two that he's been found convicted of, and if you don't consider the two in the military plus the his brothers and the neighborhood kids, yes, these are the two as of uh, you know that he's been charged and found guilty of. Wow. That's crazy. Um, all right.
1: Oh, and it sounds like there's an, an there was an attempted abduction of a 15-year-old two days after McVicker, um, and Bonin tried to run him over when he uh, rejected him.
0: <laughs> uh, he re- well, I, Bonin actually tried to pay this guy $35 for sex. Essentially, he was trying to pick him up as a prostitute. Yeah,
1: and the guy said no, and he's like, well, then I'll just get you. I'll run over you. <laughs> yeah. <here." laughs> Uh, all right, so Bonin pleaded guilty to charges. who sentenced again to serve one to 15 years um, in the California men's facility in uh, Slow, San Luis Obispo. He w- Somehow or another, he was released um, in October of 78. <laughs> he did 18 months. All right, so one thing that I think is really interesting as we sort of move in towards um, talking about the different victims, again, is the ability of William Bonin to... Um, find seek out and find accomplices Mm -hmm. he had four different accomplices who helped him with the majority of his um of the killings which is again amazing to me that he was somehow able to talk these people into performing these acts with him it looked like to me a couple may have been persuaded because of drugs because they were drinking and Bonin would Sometimes he would tell them ahead of time they were going to go do something, and sometimes he wouldn't tell them And then he w- in- until he was actually in the middle or starting the act or in the middle of the act, making exactly. these people um, accomplices against their will, ultimately, because now they're seeing him do this. Um, they may or may not be enjoying it, but they're certainly scared by it because now they're a part of it.
0: And I really felt bad for those guys, the ones that didn't know beforehand, because they ultimately would still be charged with these crimes but they were they were party to it without any advanced knowledge
1: yeah sort of except i I think the majority it looks to me like the majority of them with the exception of william Pugh. so you've got vernon butts vernon butts Mm -hmm. was a porcelain worker and a part-time magician (laughs) i know okie dokie uh gregory miley these guys are young too by they're like 18 17 18 gregory miley 18
0: years old low iq okay
1: William Pugh, 17-year-old Whoa, drifter. Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Very low IQ. Yeah. IQ of fifty-six. That's that's very, very low. Uh-huh. Yep. I <laughs> I does I just don't think I don't think that should be glossed over as just like a low IQ. I mean, that's like that's significant uh cognitive handicap. Yep.
1: Agreed. Um William Pugh, who was a seventeen year old drifter, and William Pugh was the one who eventually uh informed the police about Bon and um, and started the surveillance on Bonin, and then there was James Monroe, Monroe who was another eighteen-year-old drifter, drifter. So you, you got a lot of people who um, who are hanging out with Bonin, who are in compromised positions. They may be homeless. Um, he may they may be underage. He's probably serving them alcohol. He's probably serving them drugs, which it looks like um, that's what happened. And sometimes those drug fueled moments. Would sort of propel Bonnet into this rage against whoever he's picking up. Sometimes, from what I saw, Vernon Butts would actually help and He would help, yeah. um, you know, sort of. He would. He would. He would be on the side of the road. He would see another hitchhiker. They would both, Bonin would pick both of them up. They would sort of do this. Bonin and Butts would do, sort of have this game where he Butts would pretend like he didn't know Bonin. It would make the person they picked up feel secure because they, neither one of them knew him. And they would, then Bonin and Butts would go crazy and hit these guys over the head with um, uh, tire irons. Um, rape them with foreign objects crush their skulls remove their genitals and throw them in the field like i it's kind of crazy to think about all the different things that they did strangle people Mm -hmm. with t-shirts um Bonin got really good at that that was his big thing was he would take some a t-shirt and he would strangle them with a t-shirt by you know twisting up the tire iron or twisting up something but he was obviously rage fueled um, you know, but I I'm just amazed. I mean, there's all I mean. He picks up these guys, him and somebody go, and they park somewhere in the van, and there's in, in the middle of nowhere, they could they could perform a lot of different acts and do a lot of different things without nobody noticing. It was really sad. Uh-huh. One thing I'm gonna mention, um, you know, before we we talk about this, is one of the things that sort of propelled again, um. Bonin is in mid 1979 he again was arrested for molesting a 17 year old boy in the coastal community of Dana Point which yes I used to live near Dana Point it's a beautiful um surfer town and um the viola- the violations of uh, the violation of the conditions of his parole um should have resulted in Bonin being returned to prison however that's when the administrative error um, oh. happened oh, God, yeah
0: which is so ridiculous he was never supposed to be released it was literally never supposed to happen it was someone messed up on the paperwork which we've seen happen in some of the cases we've discussed which is just so ridiculous oh yeah
1: because that act that error essentially you know caused all of these other boys to be able to be raped or murdered so it could exactly that error could have caused up to 36 deaths
0: but that's that's three times that he was in the system that he should have probably been held. Mm-hmm. all three times he should have been held. The third time because he should have gone to his court date and there was an administrative error, uh, and then the first two times he was sentenced to to serve time a lot longer than he actually ended up serving. Oh, wow! <laughs> that's awful. That's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's it's terrible. I really hate to say the parallels, but there's so many parallels to Ed Kemper here. The IQ, the upbringing. Uh, Kemper was uh, essentially allowed to have a gun because of a clerical error. Bonham was released because of a clerical error. There are so many things that are similar here that it's, it's crazy to think that they all, and they happened in relatively proximity from each other. You know, Kemper was the early 70s. Bonin is late 70s. Kemper was Northern California, Central California, Southern California. Uh, It was both of these guys were about, you know, picking up hitchhikers. Kemper was young women. Uh, Bonin was young boys. It's I was really surprised when I was researching this topic. Well, if you add in all
1: the other freeway killers, I mean, I... You know, I, I, I don't know if it's slowed down or not these days, but what's terrifying to me is to think that there may be some crazy inner inter, uh, internet group out there with a bunch of serial killers communicating and sort of um, <sighs> perpetrating these kinds of crimes. I mean, it, it, back then, at least, it wasn't that hard to get away with because, you know, if you had certainly had more than one serial killer performing the same, um, you know, murder kind of murders, it was I so know. easy to throw people off. They couldn't connect it.
0: No, I agree. It was... Yeah, crazy. It, it, I I actually can't believe it was the topic for another time, but the crazy number of serial killers between like the 1960s and 1980s. It's ridiculous to look at how how many there were and how many senseless killings happened in that time period in the United States.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's uh everybody just fell through the cracks. You know, it was it was amazing. It really, Thank god did. it's gotten better with the digital age, but I've... yes. I don't know how much. I mean, it also seems like s- trafficking has actually gone up because of that. So who knows? So let's start with the victims, Ready? Back to the yep. back to the victims. We've got 13-year-old hitchhiker Thomas Glenn Lundgren. Um, he was beaten,
0: dumped in Agora. I think he was picked up near his home by uh, Bonnen and, and Butts picked yep. him up, correct? Exactly. Picked him up outside his uh, parents' house in Reseda, California. His throat uh, was
1: slit. He was beaten. His genitals were removed. And he was strangled. <sighs> Where was he found? Where- he was picked up in Agora, and I think he was found dumped near
0: there. No, he was picked up in Reseda and found in Agora. Got it. Which are close. Yep. Which are close. Yeah, they're not They're yeah. not far away. That's right. That's right.
1: That's what's interesting about doing cases like this where you know the, um, you know, you have s- some context into the proximity. Um, it really, it really drives it home for me. Like, when I know where stuff happens, I'm like, oh, that's, uh, um Yeah. Mm. Uh, at like when I drive by where the they found the Black Dahlia, you know, on occasion, it creeps me out. I agree. Uh, all right, uh. next on to our next victim, um, you know, uh, uh. respectfully, of course. So um, there was 17-year-old Mark Shelton, and after he left his house in Westminster walking to a movie theater, he um, was picked up and he was violated with foreign objects, including a pool mm-hmm. cue. Oh. He... he Here's the worst part. He may have been the worst murder for me. <clears throat> he died from shock. Yeah, you're right. I did see that. He died from shock. He was uh, raped with a pull cue so much uh, it, that he actually died from shock of the act. Wow. He was discarded in, uh, in San Bernardino County. So here's young 17-year-old Mark Shelton. So next we have another 17-year-old. And these are these windows are small, you guys. Like, you know, one week you've got one guy getting picked up. Now you've got this, you know, 17-year-old Mark Shelton getting picked up. Um, shortly thereafter, within the next couple of weeks, at the very least, I think it was early August, where you've got 17-year-old uh-huh. West German student Marcus Grabs uh, hitchhiking, picking up, he got picked up on the PCH.
0: Uh, yeah, he was picked up by Bonin and uh, Butts, uh, Vernon Butts, uh, and he was. Um, it was he was picked up sometime between uh, six and ten p.m. Uh, and this poor kid was he was he was just backpacking around the U.S. trying to sightsee. Uh, he was sodomized, beaten, and stabbed seventy-seven times. His body was found the next day beside the road in Malibu with an orange nylon cord loosely wrapped around his head and ignition wire tying his ankles together.
1: And I have to say, you know, in the pictures that I saw and just everything you read, these young men were dumped with complete disregard.
0: Oh, there was no care. It was literally like Tossing them out the back of the van and driving off.
1: Yeah, awful. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, All right, so moving on. Right after we have Marcus grabs, we are moving on to August twenty seventh, where again Bonin and Butts, they abduct a fifteen year old uh, guy in Hollywood, Donald Ray Hyden, and um, he's last seen alive walking on Santa Monica Boulevard at one a.m. Okay, by the way, why are you walking on Santa Monica Boulevard at one a.m. Okay. May have been may have been a prostitute. Who knows? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, why are you out at 1 a.m. when you're 15? His body was found by construction workers. Um, he was dumped in a dumpster at an off ramp.
0: Uh, yeah, off the Ventura Freeway, which is the uh, Valley area that you might hear about in the Los Angeles. He was strangled, stabbed, sodomized, and there were attempts to cut his testicles. And slash his throat.
1: That's what's so weird about, like, I mean, this gets w- weird, 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 and then weird plus. Because, you know, okay, you got picking up people and raping them. You got picking up people, raping them, and murdering them. Then you got pe- picking up people, raping them, murdering them, and then, you know, dismembering them. I mean, the rage that must have fueled these kinds of behaviors is unbelievable. You don't mutilate someone unless you have so much rage for them.
0: Okay, so here's my pure hypothesis, theory, psychological imagination, based on nothing at all other than things I've heard in the past. Bonin spent, he was forced into a marriage early in his life by his mother to cure the gay. He went to the military where he uh, raped a couple of men and, but also had relationships with women because that's what was accepted and tolerated. When he got back from the military, he wasn't allowed, per se, to have gay relationships. So as I was reading this, I was wondering if he was taking his violence out on these boys, The exactly what you are just saying, the dismemberment uh, and the violence towards their genitalia, because it, it was some sort of internal rage that he was acting out against them because of his own inability to accept his sexual orientation.
1: I think that you'll find that that happens a lot with um, murders involving homosexuals because they have such a dis... Discord with their own being, you know, yes, and they just—they've right. been led to believe and led to hate so much against their core being that they—it's—it it, they are striking out for sure. I, uh,
0: I sad. Horrifically, that's, that's it, it's horrifically, it's terrible. Very sad. It yeah. is. It's it's sad on so many fronts.
1: Yeah, I uh, I am glad to say that I hope in the world these days that that we are more accepting of of homosexuality. Certainly. So I would love to think that this kind of behavior sort of quelled itself a little bit. But there are still places in the world where there's, you know, huge, 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 um, you know, I mean, gosh, in Russia, even in the South. I mean, people are not okay with it quite just yet. And they um, I I, I'm sad to think that there are people who are feeling the repercussions of that.
0: It's it's horrible. Yeah, it's 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 very it's a very sad state There's a lot of people are still afraid of just identifying who they are. Yeah, it's awful. All right. So
1: moving on, we are going down the list of uh, of victims. Um, Again, not to, um, you know, be dismissive, certainly, but there's a lot of them. So August 27th, we had our 15-year-old Hollywood um, youth, Donald Ray Hayden, on September 9th. So again, about a week. Bonin and Butts, again, encountered a 17-year-old La Mirada youth. And um, La Mirada is where one of our peeps we work with, Brendan, you know where they live. Mm -hmm. David Lewis Murillo, cycling Mm -hmm. to the movie theaters. Um, They lured him into Bonin's van. People... Everybody, if you can learn one thing from these conversations we have, don't get in vans with people. Don't no. get in cars with people. Don't get in and don't go anywhere with anybody that you don't know. You cannot trust anybody. It's terribly sad to think, but you know, just don't do it. And I'm not. And I'm not saying that the, these guys weren't even looking for a ride Bond would stop no. and be like, "Hey, you know, you want to yeah. ride? You want to come with us? I got some weed." You know, he wouldn't. I mean, he
0: them. was a, he was abducted. So I mean, I I took that almost as you know possibly. Jump out of the van and grab him and pull him back in against his will. I, uh,
1: I have that he was lured into the van where he was bound, repeatedly raped, and extensively bludgeoned about the skull yeah. of the tire iron. Uh, I, I think that most of these people got in the tr- the van with them. I don't think I, so. Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah, I, it's it. You might be right. It's just it's a it's amazing to think about that that people are are so willing to do that to just go into these unknown situations but this was the you know this was the 70s it was a different time I guess
1: well yeah I mean that's the same for Kemper I mean you and I yeah, are well, appalled I to think that some chick would get in the car with Ed Kemper I um, agree. You know, like on her own free will but it I mean hitchhiking that is the nature of hitchhiking yes I mean yeah there's a an innate trust that you just have to accept if you're gonna hitchhike unless yeah. you're getting in the back of a pickup truck then then you're not stuck, right? If, if something happens, you can just jump out of the back of the pickup truck. But if you're inside of a car with someone, and even Kemper, I remember, but he was so, like, he would he had a whole system where once they got in the car, something would fall and it would, like, keep the, his do- the door from being able he, to be unlocked from the inside. I mean, it was bananas how far well, these guys go.
0: So it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, yeah, so it, Kemper took, a, a, you know, like a, a little thing of chapstick and put it in between the – door latch so that it could not be open from the inside but Bonin did something similar where he removed I think he removed the inside door handle so they couldn't get out
1: not surprising
0: so I, I, yeah I, I, I know it's I almost question if Bonin took some direction from Kemper
1: maybe I mean they were well no Kemper was a little
0: earlier than Bonin that's my point, though. Kemper was earlier than Bonin, yeah. so it's possible that Bonin read about, heard about the crimes, and you know, took motivation that way and, and got suggestions from him. I don't not know. Not directly, man. not in a conversation, but just based on hearing of of Kemper's crimes.
1: It terrifies me to think that these somehow these people could actually communicate with each other and share these.
0: I don't. I don't think that they communicated. Things. I'm just thinking that you know, there was a lot published at the time, and he may have read about it.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't even know if that was published. All right. Let's stay on track because we've got a lot of victims to get through, unfortunately. Um, and we want to give each one of them credit where credit is due because I I, I, again, I want to take this seriously and acknowledge that the terrible things that this, these people did to these boys. And now some of these boys were never found. So it's just awful. Um, all right. So eight days after they murdered Mario, um, they, on September 17th, they pick up an 18-year-old boy in Newport Beach. Christopher Wilson stick, and he was abducted as he was driving, his, taking his bike to the grocery store, and his body was found on um, September t- 27th, which would have been 10 days later, along um, Interstate 10. So, um, we're we're familiar with that area. Um, yeah, very well. Yeah, I mean, just another, you know, whatever they're doing is is clearly working. <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All
1: right. So for some reason, Bonin sort of stalled in between the end of September and November 1st. Um, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if they ever talked to him about that. But he and ba- Butts again, pick up a, a another young man. It's This one's a weird one because they say that they picked a guy up. They say that he was like 19 to 25. He was like 5 feet 10 or something. Um, and they dumped his body, and, uh, this guy was never identified. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and they admitted to inserting an ice pick into his nostrils, and a couple of the murders, you'll, will find, yeah. they stick an ice pick in their ear, and kill yes. them. Yeah. Like sh- shove an ice pick in their ear. So, what's crazy is you got one person here who, um, they don't even know who the guy is. It's unidentified. Still, yeah. the body's unidentified. uh.
0: That's crazy. You know know how many
1: people must be missing out there when people don't, that have unidentified people that are just randomly whatever?
0: I, yeah, uh, that's, it's, it's so sad to think about and to really, to think about those families. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I told you before,
1: you know, if you go onto the LA Corners website, they are trying to find out who these Jane Does and John Does are and they show pictures of them and there are a lot. It's amazing how, how many. Um, all right, so Brittany,
0: next, moving on to our <laughs> next victim. Uh, Frank Fox, uh, Frank Dennis Fox, 17-year-old from Bellflower. Uh, uh, this was on uh, December 2nd, 1979. Well, actually, I, uh, I think actually Frank went missing on November 30th because his body was found On December second, nineteen seventy nine, on the uh, Ortega Freeway, which is uh, near San Juan Capistrano, which is a little bit further south in Orange County, Uh, right off the five. Right, it's right.
1: Yeah, it's right off the five on the way to San Diego. Yep. And that stretches, uh, um, Ortega Highway is interesting. It's a, it's a cool ride. I would suggest everyone taking that ride. If you live in Southern California, it's quite beautiful out there,
0: but, um, very, uh, isolated.
1: Uh,
0: he, um, was found with blunt force trauma, ligature marks on, uh, wrists and ankles. Um, uh, and it, it seemed like he was bound and tied throughout the entire, what was probably uh, torture and murder, um, he uh, there there was no clothing or any other identifying marks found where he uh, was his body was disposed of and I
1: just want to mention, there were a couple of missing boys or missing young men yep. um, that were went missing around this exact same time in this in the Ortega Highway area. One of them was their mother had gone to Bonnet and was trying to get some information. But um, this, this isn't the first time that they, he will utilize the Ortega Highway area to dump bodies. And I'm not surprised because it's probably a pretty popular trucking route.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a good point.
1: Yeah, it goes through, it goes into the internal parts of, you know, Southern California. All right, so we've got Frank Dennis Fox. Uh, Unfortunately, we find him. And then 10 days later, um, 15-year-old Long Beach kid, Uh John Frederick Kilpatrick, disappears. Um, Now it's broad daylight, right? So as we've seen for the last couple of murders, like, you know, they were picking up people at night before. Now they'll they'll just stop and pick up anybody. It doesn't even matter anymore.
0: It's crazy. No, I, it's almost like they wanted to get caught as, as flippant as they were about their lack of care.
1: They just uh, got really bold really fast. Yes, and I they think, did. Well, I think also one of the reasons that that sort of helped that along was they had, you know, when you have a partner in crime per se, you become, you know, really, really, really confident because you got somebody to feed off. And if you uh-huh. both in now, if you add people to this and what, well, you know, it, it sort of gives you this, um, it gives you this feeling like you're invincible when you're really not. Plus I'm, they were doing a bunch of drugs, so they were probably feeling pretty invincible anyway. I mean, yeah, to that's me, probably
0: true
1: based on what I read. I think a lot of these situations were started by drug use. They would take something, they'd drive around, they'd get all hyped up, and they'd be like, let's go kill. I want to go kill. I mean, Bonin's even at some point, he'll kill somebody, and then he'll turn around to whoever is accomplice was like, ah, I'm still horny, let's go do it again. And I'm like, <sighs> "So, but that tells me a couple things. That, they tells me it's more about sex. Um, and that he it uh, probably can't have sex um and he can't enjoy sex without some kind of violence attached to it, and it's um unbridled, it will never stop, yeah, I mean it just continues to go up and up he he his addiction was violent sex, and he continued it continued, he couldn't control it, and it just escalated and it, and it probably would never stop. I think Bonin says that he knows it would never stop, all right, sorry, probably so
0: too. no. Uh, so uh Kilpatrick, he actually his uh body and identity remained a mystery until August of the following year. So he was just known as a John Doe, sadly. Oh, see that's so freaking sad. you know it like, is. it's got so people sad. Who,
1: people who are missing for a long time and then they don't even nobody even cares. I'm sure that I happens. Know. I mean, you and I are lucky enough to have people in our lives who care about us. Yes, but there are people who don't. I agree. I mean, you know, like, or even just sort of estranged from their families. They don't hear from them for years. And they're like, well, I don't know whatever happened to Aunt Susie. Well, Aunt Susie probably got kidnapped and murdered, you know, and they wouldn't even know the difference.
0: I know. That's really Uh, bad. Sadly, similarly, on New Year's Day, 1980, uh, Michael Francis McDonald... Was kidnapped, uh, and his body was found uh, fully clothed uh, in San Bernardino County two days later, and he remained a John Doe until March 24th. So he was a John Doe for almost three months also.
1: Yeah, so they're they're targeting people who nobody cares about.
0: they're they're drifters people that are uh, out on their own yeah you're right no one's gonna go look for them unfortunately
1: yeah young people who are probably used to doing anything they can to have a place to sleep and to get food and um, some of these guys some of these young men you know were homosexual so that sort of fed into the whole Bonin thing too if he couldn't freaking recruit them he was going to murder them I guess is what what the plan was
0: it's kind of what it seemed like
1: yeah and he was effective my god I'm like how do you talk so many to murder with you like are you know but I, I swear I think that there was like a big drug component because once things started to escalate they just couldn't like that I mean when you do certain drugs it removes your ability to control yourself And sometimes it could be like a blackout, right? So you wake up and Bonin's there with you and you guys may or may, you may have as well as as Bonin may have murdered somebody or done terrible things. So
0: the next victim on February 3rd, 1980 was the first victim with Bonin's next accomplice, Gregory Miley. Miley, again, another young man, only 18 years old, uh, drove with Bonin to a nightclub in Hollywood And there they found 15-year-old Charles Miranda. And at least what I found, it sounds like Miranda and Botnan initially had consensual sex. And then, essentially, Miranda was handed off to Miley. But Miley was unable to get an erection. I don't think Miley was gay. Oh, maybe not. Maybe that's why you couldn't get an erection. Yeah, I don't think he was gay. Uh, but I actually took it out of frustration. He uh, stole from him all the $6. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, and, then, uh, and then strangled him. And kind of like what you mentioned before, twisted his shirt uh, with a jack handle, which I'm not even entirely sure what that is. And then sodomized him by inserting a blunt force object into his anus and jumped his body in downtown L.A.
1: Yeah, no, that, oh, my gosh. You know what's weird about this one that I read is that before Bonin killed him, um, he <laughs> he wanted to, um, where did it say? It was so strange. Oh, my God, it was so weird. The boy entered the, the v- 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 where he parked and entered the van. He drove aimlessly for what he was later. Very long distance. As he drove, Miley continually heard macabre, crying as Bonin beat and raped him before forcing Ugh. to well, wait no this is the weird part so here's what it says on wikipedia as he drove Miley continually heard macabre crying as Bonin beat and raped him before forcing the boy to sleep in his arms oh how can you sleep there's something just disgusting about that I don't well d- how do you go
0: to sleep I don't you're being well, like tortured you just fall asleep I think there's just, you know, something probably biologically about that, though, that your body just, your, your body collapses. You've been tortured so much, you just, yeah, less sleep and more, like, just passing out. <laughs> Maybe. I just
1: thought that was really strange.
0: That's, that's really terrible. Okay. Uh, so this, 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 by the way, let's remind ourselves here. We're
1: not talking about a 17-year-old or a teenager. We're talking about a 12-year-old. This is a 12-year-old boy. James McCabe Yep.
0: yes so well he was a 12 year old boy you're right he was a 12 year old boy but so he was picked up in Huntington Beach trying to hitchhike to go to Disneyland this
1: very evil cruel joke there somewhere
0: there's this this is the one that just like this out of all of them this one broke my heart the most and in the trailer for that terrible movie that you said that you watched that I only watched the trailer of the the kid gets in the car and says, I want to go to Disneyland. I have season passes. And, you know, he gets in the car willingly thinking he's going to go from Huntington to Anaheim. And then he's essentially grabbed from behind and pulled into the back of the van where he is raped and murdered. Yeah.
1: Again, highly suggest no one getting in the van with someone they don't know. Bad things happen in
0: vans. <laughs> and this happened. this happened just hours after... Uh, Charles Miranda was killed. Yeah, they these guys. I mean, th- that's what Bonham would say
1: is like, I'm not done yet. Let's go get another one. And it seemed like there were plenty to choose from. It's just terrible. Yeah, um, he
0: uh, robbed this poor kid also for whatever a twelve year old was worth. Uh, and uh, his he essentially he was killed by uh, strangulation with a jack handle as well. Uh, his
1: that kind of looks like a iron. Body responded in a dumpster. Yeah, it kind of looks like a tire arm. You stick That's it That's kind of what like I was the, picturing. You jack it up. All right, yeah. so moving on to March 14th, uh, we have an 18-year-old van Nuys youth named Ronald Gatland. He was abducted near his friend's home, beaten, sodomized, and suffered several deep, perforating ice-pick wounds to his ear and neck mm. before he was strangled. He was um, bound hand and foot and was found the following day in the city of Duarte, which is not, right right near L.A., and then, of course, one week later, we got another guy. March 21st, um, Bonin lured 14-year-old Glenn Barker into his van uh, as the kid was hitchhiking to school. And he raped him, beat him, strangled him to death with a liter- ligature. And um, he also, again, had all kinds of different, you know, wounds on him, including cigarette lighters. And... <laughs> In addition, Barker had been violated with foreign objects, which had extensively distended his rectum. I mean, this Bonin was cruel. He he was he terrible. Hate filled. It was unbelievable. Yes.
0: So uh, then, in uh, around March 20th, Bonin and uh, his new accomplice and future co-defendant William Pugh picked up 14-year-old Harry Todd Turner in Hollywood. He uh, his body was found on March 25th in an alley behind an LA business, beaten, sodomized, and strangled. That's a lot of bodies. Yeah, I mean technically this is all LA County, right? It's well into Orange County also,
1: LA and Orange. But just the people who had been murdered in LA County is enough to warrant like people freaking out. I mean, oh, of course. Like the police are four. You got yes. There's at least four, right? So the LA County. Oh, there's more than uh, yeah. No, 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 no. There's a there's
0: a lot more than that. Orange yeah, County no, like there's eight. A, definitely a lot. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Exactly.
1: All right. So moving on. You know, we have another April 10th. Bonin abducted a 16-year-old bellfire boy named Stephen John Wood. As the kid walked to school, he went from he was attending a dentist appointment. His nude and extensively beaten body was discarded in Long Beach, close to the PCH. Same kind of thing. He had been killed with a ligature.
0: Uh, as, as you mentioned before, there were some other mysterious bodies that were found with a similar modus operandi that were not directly tied to Byn because he didn't connect to them. Uh, con- uh, he didn't admit to them, uh, and he wasn't convicted of them. But on March 22nd, two of those bodies One of Russell Rue, uh, 15 years old, and Glenn Barker, uh, 14, were uh, found along the same road that the body of Harry Turner was found.
1: Hmm.
0: All right, so then from April 10th to April 29th,
1: uh, Bonin and Butts are back on the prowl, and they lured a 19-year-old Darren Kendrick into uh, Bonin's van, um under the pretext of selling him drugs. Yeah. Um, From a, a supermarket at the grocery store. Yep. So again, they went back to to Butts' apartment, the magician, the part-time magician, and um, he was overpowered. He was, you know, raped by both men. Uh, he was forced to drink hydrochloric acid, which oh. I'm like, what? And These guys yes. are just torturing people, doing whatever they want. It's crazy. I
0: know. I know. And then he
1: had an ice pick drove in his ear and then... He Got dumped again, so terrible. He,
0: uh, and this one's a little bit different because he actually, his official cause of death here was uh, the uh, separation of his cervical spinal cord due to the ice pick. So, I think this is the first one that we've seen that hasn't been killed or at least been strangled. Uh, you know, I think early on he. Uh, His first victim or one of his first victims had 77 stab wounds, but most of his victims died by strangulation or blunt force trauma or a combination thereof. This is the first one that was violent in the severing of the spinal cord.
1: Well, I think there's a conversation with Bonin at some point, and he is adamant that it's all in the eyes. And what he means by that or what I took by that was I'm assuming he's looking right in these people's eyes as he's strangling the life out of them. So um, there was something that gave him a feeling of power when he could just watch them fade away. I think uh, ultimately that's the way I took it. Um, he was a weird dude. I mean, and oh, very intelligent, sure. um, yeah, and kind of nasty. Like he, I mean, anyway, wa- watch some of the video out there. There's plenty out there to to, to take a look at. But he uh, and he, he spoke pretty eloquently about it. All right, so here we are now, May twelfth. Twelve days later, after he, you know, of course, picked up the poor, you know, employee of the supermarket, he abducts and murders a 12 or a sorry, a 17 year old of acquaintance of his. He knew this guy. Um, He decided to kill him when he woke up because he was tired of having him around. Oh, my gosh. Yep, The acquaintance was Lawrence Sharp and he was discarded at a Westminster gas station. And uh, in a trash bin. Yeah. He was found six days later. And um, he had been bound and sodomized. So on May 12th, we had them picking up Lawrence Sharp. On right. May 19th, a week after oh. Sharp, Bonin asked Butts to accompany, accompany him on the killing, but Butts said no. Um, oh. Bonin went out. He abducted a 14-year-old Southgate boy named Sean King from a bus stop in Downey in, in, in freaking Bonin's little town, right? He didn't Bonin live in Downey? And then he discarded him in Live Oak Canyon in Yakaipa. Um, which isn't that close actually so they must have driven um, bon, Bonin then went and visited butt's
0: residence and bragged about killing to uh, bragged about the killing to his accomplice the next one is a uh, another one of Bonin's accomplices uh, first one with James Monroe uh, Monroe and Bonin pitch, picked up hitchhiker Stephen J Wells in 18 year olds uh, an 18 year old Uh Wells originally agreed to have consensual sex with Bonin, um, and then allowed himself to be tied up, uh, expecting to be paid for sex. Like we've seen a couple uh, a couple times so far before, uh, he essentially was out there prostituting himself out, um, and um, thought that he would be paid and have sex with another one of Bonin's friends, but unfortunately. wells was uh, tied up robbed beaten and strangled Uh, body was placed into a cardboard box and then they uh, drove over to butts's home as a matter of fact which is strange now they're essentially all kind of working on this together which i I thought was weird because it seemed to me before this that they weren't like a team it was Mm -hmm. gone in and one or another but now it's several you know they're like all kind of working together almost as this gang uh yeah Butts
1: uh, met miley earlier and um buts did not appreciate um having miley around he thought that that was really interfering with his relationship with Bonin.
0: and now this is with monroe so he's getting involved with another one of them
1: oh so it's monroe uh, too yeah, yeah not surprising yeah, ex- yeah. it's exactly- like a weird gang
0: of weird dudes I know. So uh, they essentially dropped uh, they dropped off Wells' body with at Butts' house, and then Butts disposed of it in uh, Huntington Beach, uh, across from a gas station, um, uh, or in the back of a gas station, and uh, it was found the next day. So there was someone
1: Stephen J. Wells was or, was it Stephen J. Wells? Yeah, he yeah. was sort of known to be one of the last um, of the of the victims, and the victim one of the victims that really did bond it in.
0: Yes, exactly. I think there was one more, right? Well, there was one
1: more victim. um, So... Pew goes to jail. He gets caught doing something. One of the accomplices, right?
0: Will, he, William William Pew, right? He, tells, he was 17 years old.
1: Yes, he tells the police about Bonin. They start they yep. put surveillance out on Bonin. So nine days under surveillance on June 11th, um, police see Bonin driving around looking for somebody. Typical. Um, they see him lure. A um, what is this guy's name? Eugene Harold Eugene Tate into his van, and Bonin proceeds to start raping him. And fortunately, the police were there um, fairly quickly because he was under surveillance, and that's when he got arrested.
0: Yes. So here's where I actually had a little. Here's where I had a hard time when the police pulled him over, and and essentially were following him based on the lead from uh, William Pugh. That I had a I had a. I had trouble with this. I'm glad that they were able to get this lead. I'm glad that they were able to, of course, track Bonin down and, and find him. But I—why did they wait so long? Why didn't they just grab him when the boy got in the van with him? Instead, the boy had to be raped. I had a really hard time. Uh, I don't with think that. he was raping. Was he
1: raped or was he just being? He, I, I thought I was under the impression that he was attempting to rape him. No, he was in the act of raping yeah. him. You're
0: right. Yeah, he Jesus was in the rape of act of raping and sodomizing <laughs> him after lot, he had, uh, <laughs> orally copulated him. So that's what I, I had a real hard time with that. They so they the police watched him get in the van with him, watched the van drive, uh, went to a pulled into a vacant lot in Santa Monica Boulevard where Bonin raped him, and then the police busted them in. The, I think in the act or shortly after the act. um... Well, oh oh i know just why just before he was murdered okay go ahead tell me why because i had a real issue with that
1: well because they didn't have a warrant so if they didn't have a warrant they would have to have probable cause and the probable cause happened when the kid started screaming <sighs> yeah i mean that's terrifying but that's what that's it's, it's what it's
0: terrifying it is. because this kid essentially they, they uh, okay i mean that's our criminal justice system i suppose terrible. but it, it allowed this kid to be raped it's so terrible yeah no
1: it's awful it's awful All right, so this is sort of the end of, uh, in my opinion, the end of Bonin, because he will go – he's arrested. He speaks to the police. I think it's fairly clear – that they have a lot of information and they have people who will speak out against him. So he confesses mm-hmm. to a lot, a lot of these yes. crimes. So he won't, he won't, this is the last time Bonham will kill someone.
0: So he, uh, at Bonham initially proclaimed his innocence, but ultimately confessed. Um, he was the. De- uh, he was essentially described as one of the most disgusting, despicable, violent people that ever lived. Uh, And while he was on trial, he said, I'd still be killing. I couldn't stop killing. And it got easier with each one we did. It didn't bother him. It didn't affect him.
1: No, no, Uh, it was empowering to him. It was probably one of the only things in his times in his life and one of the only things he's ever done in his life that he had control over.
0: Yes. He, uh, of of course, he was found guilty because he confessed to it. It didn't take long that he was charged or uh, sentenced to the death penalty uh, and he was found guilty in, uh, 1982, but he stayed on death row for another 14 years and was, uh, died by lethal injection in 1996. Yeah. And, and ironically enough, he, one of his first victims, his surviving victims, uh, or, uh, his surviving victim, I guess you can say. McVicker. Uh, McVicker was in attendance at his uh, death.
1: Yeah, there were a couple people at a t- um, it, was a couple of the victim's families, um, you know, the mothers in particular, who were in attendance at his death, uh, at, at I- his death, which they allow. Um, they,
0: oh, yeah, of course. I, you know, I really have to give McVicker a lot of credit because I think he actually, um, in one of the interviews I saw, he also tried to help police because he started hearing about these cases and went to the authorities and essentially said, hey, this sounds, these crimes sound very similar to the th- same things that happened to me. You might want to start looking at this guy. And yeah. he was. it took a lot of strength for him to do that.
1: Oh, terrible. Because, you know, he was obviously embarrassed because, you know, he thought that that was, you know, the homosexuality piece of it was was something that he wasn't, um, you know, he had issues with, obviously, because he wasn't homosexual and he was embarrassed by that at the time. Certainly, um, that was probably a big thing. I will say that Miley and Monroe both testified against Bonin. And um, they described in graphic detail, you know, exactly what happened with Bonin. As, I'm sure as much as they could that they could remember. Duh. Butts, on the other hand, committed uh, suicide in jail. He just couldn't take, uh, probably withstand, because I think Butts was the big, he was the big piece of this puzzle. I think he really. I think so too. um, You know, he aligned with Bonin in a way that I don't think the other guys did um, and and, and probably enjoyed
0: it more so. He's part-time magician self. (laughs) Uh, Gregory Miley was convicted of first-degree murder and is serving 25 years to life. Uh, William Pugh was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, serving, and he served only six years. Uh, James Monroe was convicted of second-degree murder and is serving 15 years to life. One of the most interesting things that I came across, uh, Sonia, you mentioned you couldn't find many documentaries or, or a whole lot out there. I did find one called William Bonin, uh, just serial killer documentary, as bland as that sounds Um, and it was actually kind of interesting there wasn't any real new information there and actually the voiceover was a uh, just like a robot which was an interesting take Um, I watched
1: that and it says at the beginning if this makes you feel uneasy turn it off now I know it's so weird what does that mean like I don't know know. am I gonna have a a, like a reaction that I
0: can't control myself or something I agree (laughs) uh and then um, I, I watched a clip from uh, Crime Watch Daily from a psychiatrist, Dr. Pelto, who uh, her office was inside the L.A. County Jail and in a old jail cell. And she had encounters with some of the most infamous people you've ever heard about. And she essentially talked about Bonin as being just cold, calculated, unremorseful, didn't have any cares didn't uh, didn't show any sort of uh, sadness or remorse whatsoever for his crimes and really left an impact on her as being just a cold calculated evil person.
1: yeah no for sure I uh, here's what's weird about Bonin that I thought <clears throat> was strange well besides all the other things of course. <laughs> While in jail, as you said, Bonin was on death row for 14 years. He uh, undertook painting, he and writing as his hobbies, and he received several minor awards for his artwork, short stories, and poems. And if I'm not mistaken, he actually um, there was a um, some kind of gallery showing of his artwork. Oh wow! Yeah. Which is not unheard of. I mean, John Wayne Gacy you know. did something similar. There are other prisoners who've done similar things. Yeah. I don't yeah, think they're allowed true. to profit from that. Also, William Bonin in 1991 wrote a book called Doing Time, Stories from the Mind of a Death Row Prisoner. Now, I have not read that book. I may no. look at it, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that contributes to whatever. Um, I'd be curious what he said, but I'm sure most of it wouldn't be truthful. I agree. I mean, what, uh, is he talking about doing time? Maybe that, I don't know how interesting that is, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. For what it's worth, he, <laughs> he's got a book.
0: He, he, he strikes me as a cold, calculating, manipulative person that I don't know that I would trust anything that he has to say you're right.
1: No, he was, a, he was a terrible person.
0: So thank you, yeah. Brittany, for suggesting this
1: guy because I had no idea about this person until you mentioned it.
0: All right, uh, giving credit to our sources... Uh, Mentioned the uh, couple of shows that we watched. Uh, Wikipedia, of course, is a great, uh, great resource. Uh, Serial Killers, uh, the uh, podcast, they have a couple of really good episodes. Murderpedia is a really awesome resource. Uh, Sonny, you got any others that we haven't covered yet?
1: Nope. I shared uh, mine mainly, you know, looking at Wikipedia, which has a, a a lot of reference material and they aggregated their information from a lot of different articles that were out there. There's a lot of interesting articles uh, that were happening at the time, um, the L.A. Times in particular. I would take a look at those. They're really fascinating because before they knew who was doing this, they had all kinds of. Ideas about, um, you know, who was perpetrating these crimes. It was really fascinating to see how they were trying to, trying to figure it out real time because it was such a short window. It was mm-hmm. almost over before it started. I know, crazy.
0: All right, well. Thanks, Scarlottos. We are done with our n- another episode. We are, uh, of course, proud members of the Pod All the Time podcast network. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and everywhere podcasts are found. Like, share, and subscribe. We love to hear from you. Thanks, Scarletos. We are the ladies of Scarlet. Keep killing it.